Hello. Hello. And welcome to Pop-Tarts. Beep, 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 beep. I'm Emily Rems. And I'm Callie Watts. We are both editors at Bust Magazine in New York City. We love talking to each other about pop culture. We love talking to you about pop culture. And today, we are thrilled to welcome our professional parents. Mom and dad are Mom here. and dad. <laughs> Debbie Stoller and Lori Hensel are the co-founders and co-publishers of our beloved Bust Magazine, where they have been our bosses for a million, billion, trillion years. Debbie Stoller is the co-founder and co-publisher and editor-in-chief of Bust Magazine. Hey, hey. And Lori Hensel is the co-founder and co-publisher and art director of Bust Magazine. Hello. I've worked for them at Bust for 17 years. Callie's worked with us for 14 years, and today we are celebrating the magazine's 25th anniversary by talking to our boss ladies about everything we ever wanted to know about Bust, but we're afraid to ask. I'm a business lady. The cute players are the gateway. I was Forrest Whitaker, I was the samurai, and Bust was the retainer. This is some real American shit, huh? The cards are saying, go forward, get it back. It's going to be fine. But yeah, dudes, thanks for ruining your lives with us. First off, Mazel Tov for reaching <laughs> this you. professional milestone. Has it sunk in yet that your professional, like, this project that you birthed by squeezing your mind grapes has had the staying power to become a genuine institution? Today we are a man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't believe it. It's It's shocking. Shocking, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> For our listeners who are not yet acquainted with Bust, can you guys give us like the quick and dirty origin story of the magazine and like tell us how it became the icon that it is today? Oh, cripes. <laughs> um, I think we have like a, so many different stories about that, and it's so hard to tell a down and dirty version. But I guess from my perspective, um, when I was in grad school, I was mostly studying how the media influences women, and the results were like, it, media has a really negative influence on women, and especially magazines. Everybody was talking about the magazines make women anorexic, and magazines make women feel bad about themselves, and, and blah, And they blah, make blah. women give good blowjobs. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> they write about Maybe. it anyway. I don't know what they tell them to do. Um, and I wanted to make a magazine that wouldn't be bad for women like what what would a magazine look like that wasn't shitty for women what would a magazine look like that was done from a feminist perspective that like wasn't insulting people was honest made you feel good um and so that's really the idea but the still way it came be to entertaining me. but still be entertaining yeah. and funny yeah because the magazines that were out there were either the lady mags like cosmo and glamour and other ones that i thought were <clears throat> totally out of touch with what real young women's lives were about um, and then the feminist magazines, of which there was really only one, and I have a very soft spot in my heart for that magazine, but at the time, every cover story was like, bummer. Like, there was one with like a gun and like the lists of all these names of women who'd been murdered by domestic abusers, and um, I think all that stuff was important, but I just wanted to like, what would a regular women's, entertaining women's magazine look like? The way that magazines were being made for dudes at the time, the lad mags, what would that look like from a feminist perspective? But, of course, we didn't know anything about business. I didn't know. This was the day of time of slackers, and we were sort of slackers. And um, so the only way I could think of getting this magazine done 
was I worked at uh, Nickelodeon, and Lori worked there too, and also uh, another friend of ours named Marcel Karp worked there. And I thought, like, well, what if we just ask a bunch of really smart, cool, funny women that we know to write something about some aspect of their lives that they're not seeing covered anywhere else? Um, and then Lori was in the design department, and we asked her and some other designers, like, can you guys lay this out for us and sort of make it look something like a magazine or whatever? Uh, and that happened. And so then Marcel and I, we stayed late at the office and Xeroxed and stapled 500 copies. So really, I would say, in some ways, Sumner Redstone was our first investor. He owned Viacom, Viacom owned uh, Nickelodeon. Thanks, right, thanks, thanks, guy. Thanks, Sums. Um. <laughs> well, you also had a lot of inspo from Sassy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we loved Sassy. Sassy was like a really cool magazine for teens at the time, and they covered a lot of, you know, the music they covered was, was more like indie rock instead of being like, you know, huge pop stars. And the advice was really from the heart. It wasn't, it, it, was, a, it was a great magazine, and we even knew some, we had, we had friends that worked there. And I feel like our vibe was kind of like, well, wouldn't it be nice if there was a magazine like similar, but for people of our age? And at the time, we were in our late 20s. I had the the experience of being like a Bust super fan and then getting to work at Bust. And there was, I didn't read it or find it at all until 2000. I was in New York. My best friend was in Boston. And she was like, I found this magazine. I started reading it. And I felt like I was talking to you. Oh like, I, it literally felt like you were in the magazine talking to me. You have to read it. Have you read it? I couldn't find it. So she mailed it to me from Boston. That oh, was the so John cute. Cusack issue. Oh, yeah. And she also bought me a subscription like right away. So then I, I started getting it shortly after Sandra Bernhard was the first issue of my subscription. I love that issue. Sandra Bernhardt was cleaning the kitchen and the quotes were so good. So yeah, I the pull quotes were so good. My and kitchen, by the way. Oh, was that <laughs> your kitchen? <laughs> it must have been so clean that day. <laughs> and I felt like I had written a magazine. I'd never had a magazine experience like I had with Bust before. How soon after you started making it did you start hearing from girls like me being like, at last, I feel so seen. Right away. Right yeah, away. so I mean, that's the weird thing. When you make something like that, you know, late at night in your office and then like in your apartments, so sometimes we need a park and work on it, whatever, we had no office. You put it out there in the world and you don't even really think about other people looking at it in some way. And like we got our first email i think it was an from some email we, it was an email got a lot of letters bust at aol.com oh, right? nice um it was from someone in ireland mm -hmm. who wow. was like oh it was a dude let love this magazine this is so awesome i want a subscriber you're gonna make more issues and it was just like oh we felt so famous like oh my god this guy in 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 ireland read this thing that we made with our own girl hands so yeah, and we got amazing. a lot of letters mm -hmm. where people were like, well, what, "Wow, this is so cool!" And so I really think that that was what kept us going mm -hmm. because we didn't have any money. We had to any little bit of money we made from sales had to go into the next issue. So getting those letters, you know, meant a lot to us. We used to have this free email service, and I remember one time like I was in Williamsburg or something with my boo and we were walking around. And this is in the time of when people were still using internet cafes. Yeah. And this girl was at this computer and she was checking her bust email. Oh. I was like, blow my mind. <laughs> it was amazing, oh my God. I once saw a woman on the plane reading bust in front of me. I almost died. Oh of course God. I had to talk to her. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> my magazine. This was a long time ago. One key factor that I think is part of the secret to bust's longevity is the fact that um, 
as a pop culture organization, you guys have been able to branch out into so many different areas. You have the magazine and you've always had the magazine, but then there's books. And then you started a crafting empire with the flagship bust craftacular popping up in New York, London, California, uh, Boston. And then more recently, you guys have added the bust school for creative living on top of that, which is more of a Skillshare fair, which is sort of hopping onto that millennial bandwagon, I think, of like people wanting experiences more than objects. And then, of course, you guys have two bust books out, and Debbie has a whole knitting book um, empire. empire outside of that. And, of course, this amazing podcast. I, I know that there was a pilot for a TV show at some point. I just wonder... People are always surprised when they find out that the full-time staff of Bust is so small at six people. So how do you decide where to allot your resources and your imagination and your woman power when it comes to diversifying in all of these different areas? The answer to that is super boring. <laughs> <laughs> but the answer to that is when Lori and I end up have to not just be creative feminists and think about how to pass this message along, but how to keep a business afloat. All magazines do those things. They diversify into other kinds of revenue streams. Mm -hmm. I'm a business lady. <laughs> do a spreadsheets, revenue streams, um, profit margins. You know, in order to keep Bust going, both the website and the magazine, to keep that message out, it's important to, to branch out to other things that make sense for the brand, but that can also help bring in some more money to keep everything going. And so um, the Craftacular, which of course was was an interesting thing to consider because we'd been writing about these small businesses. Most of them were run by women and the idea of connecting those businesses with their buyers like in real life seemed really fun, but it was because there's so many things that we think of doing, but that's one that we actually went ahead with and did because we realized that making an event like that would also help bring in some cash. But you guys also I seem to have a really boring. good intuition about what things would resonate with our audience. I mean, I guess because our audience is us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel I like I know the bust reader very well. And since our big 25th anniversary party is coming up at the end of August and everyone can come and party with us, Lori, can you tell our listeners more about what that event is going to yes, be all about? Yes, we've been very busy working on that now. Um, I'm super excited. Uh, we're going to have the Golden Bra Awards, which is something we did five years ago at our 20th anniversary party um, where we um, honor specific amazing feminists that we love. In the past, we gave one to Gloria Steinem and Margaret Cho and Kathleen Hanna. Um, I'm not sure exactly who's going to be accepting the award this year. You're going to have to tune in, bus.com to check it out. But we are going to be, we, we know we're giving one to Erica Badu. So she is going to be in the house. Yeah. And she's the also going to do a DJ set for us, which I'm so excited What's about, her DJ name? It's something. Some, I think it's Low Down Loretta, Loretta Brown. Brown. <laughs> Low Down Loretta Brown. Uh, so we're. That's like you know, yeah. You know, I just can't even believe it. That and she's Jenny so, yeah. Slate is hosting. Jenny Slate is hosting. Um, she's so funny and so wonderful. I'm excited about that. We have Aparna Nancharla is going to do a comedy set. Patty Harrison is doing a comedy set. We have Amber Tamlin. Am Tam is coming and. Um, also, we got Miss Eves, the rapper, is going to do a little set. So we're, we'll have music. We're still booking stuff now. So 
mom jeans all day. Why you mad though? <laughs> it's gonna be so good. So bust.com slash party. Yes. Is where mm-hmm. we keep updating it. Yes. And tickets are on sale now. Yeah, and yeah. it's going to be at the House of Yes, which is an amazing space in Women Bushwick. owned. Women owned space in Brooklyn. So you've been an independent entity for most of the last 25 years, but you were briefly bought out by a media company that went kaput shortly after September 11th. And uh, so then they had bought Bust Magazine and then you bought Bust back from them. How did that experience of selling the magazine and buying it back turn you into the business women that you are today? Well, we learned a lot from that experience. Uh-huh. First of all, selling a company, I'd never done that before, you know, so that part we, you know, that was that took almost a year with lawyers and all kinds of stuff. So we learned all about that and then once we were with the company, you know, we thought we don't know anything about business. We just want to be creative types and do our thing, man. And we realized that we did actually know what we were doing. You know, there's a lot of things in, in magazine publishing, like s- subscription drives and, I don't know, all renewal kinds of letters. technical. Yeah, renewal <laughs> letters. Basic things. It's boring. I know a and, lot about that now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, <laughs> actually those guys, they were dot-comers, and they didn't really know about that stuff. And I mean, they did. It just, they, but it, they didn't want to. They were like, that's old media. This is new media. And Not always, but, you know, there was Most a, of the time. I most thought. of the time. Some, some of the time. Right. Anyway, so... We've learned a lot from that, and, and really, I think I feel like it gave us the confidence. When it all went sour, we were just like, I think we can do this. We we know how to do this. We've done it before. And then we were like, yeah, we, let's just do this. Debbie, do you have anything to add? Well, I, I do have that one story that I think is such an important story um, of our history. So that dot-com that, that owned us, there was a huge dot-com crash beginning 2001. And so their personal finances had also crashed, so they were stressed out. And they decided to stop publishing the magazine, and they were going to go around and look for investors, and then we were going to come back at 10, t- 10 times a year publication, like everything was going to be amazing. And while they were doing that, somehow someone at the New York Times got wind of this story, that this was happening in the background. And they did a big story on us, and they came and they took pictures of us at the office, and they interviewed us about these plans for the future of Bust. And it was like, the headline was like, feminist magazines are taking over, whatever. And uh, I remember the morning the newspaper came out, I opened it, and like, we were on the front page of the business section. Like, I remember there was a Starbucks I used to stop at on the way to the office, and I was like, look, this is me. It's like crazy. <laughs> um, like, full-color picture, and like, we went to the office, and we were so excited. The phones were ringing off the hook. We had a party that night. Um, and all of that happened on September 10th, 2001. Wah, wah. Womp, womp. Yeah, so total ne- womp, womp. So the next day, obviously, was the next day, and... Uh, the company went out of business shortly after that, and everything in New York was so terrible. And you know, I had no reason. I felt like I had no reason to get out from under the bed every day. And like, who cared about the stupid magazine? Um, and then, Lori, do you want to tell what? Yeah. So we we were talking a lot. Like, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Like, should we should we just walk away? That would be so sad, you know, or should, you know, should we try to get it back? And and I was like, literally, I could not, we couldn't decide. And so I was like, I'm going to go to the tarot reader. So I went and had my a reading and the woman was like, I, she, there was a card that represented Debbie and she was just like, I, you two are tied together somehow. And I see, really think you should, you know, the cards are saying, go forward, get it back. It's going to be fine. It's going to be great. And that guy that's that you're, that's causing you all the trouble, he's just going to be a little blip. But the other thing that happened that was amazing to me and unexpected 
was that word got around that the magazine was out of business and all these people started writing and saying like, no, we really need you, don't close. And like, how can we help you? And we did a subscription drive and a concert and, you know, that was, I was not expecting that. And that was actually, uh, that is what gave me the energy to get out from under the bed in the morning and, yeah. and you know, for us to consider coming back with this. But I mean, people were mailing us like checks for $20, yeah. just just yeah. with without us asking, just please take this, get it back up running. I had just started interning mm. the month before um, September 11th. I had just started in oh. August. And so like every week, between September 11th and when bus started again, I emailed Debbie and was like, I love bus so much. Can I please come back? Can I please help bus come back? And then one day she finally said yes. But during that time, when I was annoyingly uh, emailing Debbie every week, I was on my grandpa's couch crocheting a scarf. And the by the time I got to go back to bus, the scarf was 12 feet long. <laughs> <laughs> and I still have my 12 foot long scarf in my closet. I remember that scarf. when yeah. I was reading it, I would get it from Barnes and Noble or something when I was in like freshman college. Like I couldn't find it anywhere for a while. And I, di I didn't know what happened. I didn't see anything about it. And then my roommate comes home one day and he's like, that magazine that you like is back at the bookstore. And then Right after that, I had to look for an internship. And then I was like, I should just try to intern at Bust. And then my best friend was like, we got to drive you to New York. They'll hire you as an intern if they meet you in person. They have to meet you in person and then you're going to get this. But I didn't know how easy at the time it was to get an internship. And so then I was like, I'm going to intern for six months. I'm not going to leave. And then after that, I was like, I'm going to stay in New York until I have to go back to school. And then... I was leaving New York. It was the day before I was supposed to leave New York to go on a vacation to pretend to be a lesbian to go look at timeshares because you had to be a cohabitating couple in Florida and I could use my college um, tuition as income. So this was total ruse and Debbie calls and she was like, we want you to be the crafty lady because I was like, I'm going to wear something I handmade every day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to keep coming in that office so they never forget me. And that plan worked. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, I have to, I'm moving back tomorrow. And I was like, is it okay if I go on this crazy vacation cruise and then I'll drop out of school and then I'll come back to New York? And she was like stuck on the cruise. And I don't think you guys remembered I dropped out of college for nope. like no, I no five nope. or six years. And then somebody asked me something and I was like, I never graduated. Like no, no, I don't remember anything about that. And I then you would felt have so told bad you about no. it. Yeah, we and I was like, said, you know how much money you saved me in the long run? True. By the time I graduated, I would have never gotten a job at print. <laughs> I don't know if you guys listened to the episode of this podcast um, about women's magazines. And we were talking to mm -hmm. Molly yeah. Sims, who's now at O Magazine, and Eliza Thompson, mm -hmm. who is now at Cosmo. And we were talking about... Um, the notion that Bust Magazine is the velvet underground of magazines. <laughs> that true. not everybody reads Bust Magazine. I thought but we were the pixies. No, we're totally the velvet underground because <laughs> the velvet You're underground wrong. saying is that not everybody listened to the velvet underground, but every single person who did started a band. And the corollary is that everyone who has passed through Bust Magazine either as a staffer, an intern, or a freelancer is like entrenched all over the world of media. Um, it's true. You know, so so as <laughs> I said, Molly's at, <laughs> Molly's at O, Eliza's at Cosmo. You've got uh, Jenna Wortham at the New York Times and Tracy Egan Morrissey at Vice. Carol Lee is a national political reporter for NBC. That's just a few off the dome. So 
Do you agree with this assessment and how do you guys view your impact on the larger media environment knowing that so many young women have come through your doors and are now influencing media all over the world? I mean, I feel good about it. I, I definitely think it's true. I'm just singing Madonna's Take a Bow in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Someone said to me the other day, like, there wouldn't be like a Lenny letter or a rookie or even a Jezebel without Bus. And I was like, yeah, that's totally true. I agree. Concur. Even just the fact that like Bus has been saying the f word feminist from the beginning, even mm -hmm. when people were like, it's alienating readers to say feminist, mm -hmm. you shouldn't put the word feminist on the cover. Like all the other women's magazines are capitalizing on feminism being cool now in a way that you guys were doing decades before them and it it's not a coincidence like you know molly said she used to work at entertainment weekly before she worked at oh the oprah magazine she said at both places everyone was like oh my god bust is the best we love bust like the, the people who are changing all of these magazines have been influenced by you guys doing what nobody else was doing before them so, like, people are getting influenced by you, and then they're changing the broader culture around where's us. Where's our award? <laughs> yeah, where's our golden bra? So the, there's all of these people who are influential out in the greater world who have gone through bust. But there's also little birdies who never left the nest. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been there, as I said before, for 17 years. Callie for 14. Lisa Butterworth for 14. Wow. Freelancers like Jenny Miller for 14 mm. years. Um, from what I've heard of from other people out in the media who aren't like us, who don't just stay put, it's super unusual for people to stay at a media outlet for that long. We're in this little feminist bubble where we call you guys mom and dad. And I wonder about <laughs> how you feel about having assembled this girl gang that's like ride or die for so long with so much staying power and how you see your roles in our collective lives as our mom and dad at work. Well, I feel honored to have you as my work children. I don't know why you stayed. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Um, but it's like a family. So, I mean, I don't know. Slightly dysfunctional, but still, it's a family. I think all families are. Yeah. Yeah. I feel really proud, too. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm grateful. I think you guys, I can't even imagine this magazine without either of you two mm -hmm. um, or many of the other people that you guys have mentioned. I'm just happy that you are so invested in this project of this magazine that you're interested in staying around and keep trying to make it with and us. You guys are a big part of why it's, you know, still around. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you a secret. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Long, long time ago. I broke into the accounting computer before I was going to ask for a raise because mm -hmm. I wanted to know what my range you did? was. I did. I haven't done it again because yeah. it was traumatizing. Um, but I was like, let me just see what I'm working with. I'd never asked for a raise before in my life. I didn't know how I was going to go about it. I'd done a lot of number crunching. I figured out how much I was making, you know, what, what my time was spent on, how I could utilize my time more if I got full time. I was doing all this stuff, but I was like, what's the number I asked for? So then I looked at it, and I called my dad crying, and I was like, fuck, dad. It's bad. And he was like, what? No, it can't money. be that bad. And I was like, no, I saw what people make. I cannot add this shit. It's yeah. going to be terrible. And he was like, well, you really like it there, right? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, is it worth making no money? And I was like, so far, so far, so good. I, apparently, I, I bought bar product correctly because I got the raise, but... Um, after that, I was like, 
well, I've already decided I'm not going to make any money. So there's that. And then uh, also the password was really easy. <laughs> I don't know if it's that. still the same. What a bombshell. I never did it again. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> but I never did it again. But um, then my uh, someone later was like, oh, there's an opening at, I forget what magazine it was. And I was like, eh, eh. You know how many people work there? I was like, they're not going to value my opinion. I'll go to a meeting. I'll be like one of 25 people. Maybe they're going to care what I say, and I'm going to have to write something I probably don't care about, which isn't the case at our meetings. Like, our opinions are so valued. Like, I feel like my voice legitimately matters when we're in the office. Mm -hmm. Did you ever see that, um, that Sorry, movie? I broke the rules, Mom and Dad. <laughs> that crown, crown me tomorrow. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Um, did you ever see that Jim Jarmusch movie, Ghost Dog? No. A long time ago. It stars Forrest Whitaker, and Forrest Whitaker is a hitman for um, a crime family, and he is obsessed with the book The Way of the Samurai. That is like the ancient book of, of war. And it, the whole book, he talks about the ways of uh, being a samurai and finding your retainer. And then, like you are, <laughs> you are the holy warrior in pursuit of that greater good for the rest of your life. And I, I was always really into that movie, but like I remember realizing that like I was Forrest Whitaker, I was the samurai, and Bust was the retainer, and it was like my path of righteousness, which is so much more than a job. <laughs> it's true. And I, I feel the Forrest Whitaker like fire within me when it's like deadline and then like on like hour 12 or whatever. I mean, that, that's a that's a really um, important thing to to raise that all of us make really huge sacrifices to do this magazine. Um, and it's one of the reasons why the magazine keeps going, because we are we have been either willing or forced into do, making these sacrifices, I hope willing. Um, but, you know, that really asks a lot of you guys. Um, I, I personally, I don't think I would be able to get a job at another magazine because I, I was never that interested in, in, in doing a magazine. I'm not a journalist. I don't have that kind of training. I hate writing. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not that interested just in general in magazines, like you said that you were, Emily. I just wanted to get this particular like vision out there, like this message out there. And, um. I'm not sure that there would be any place else where I'd be able to do that besides this thing that we made. But yeah, dudes, thanks for ruining your lives with us. <laughs> awesome. I feel like you'd be a professor. I feel like you'd go in to be a professor. I had that option, you know, when I finished and I got my PhD, I was like, well, I can go out, I can go spend the rest of my life telling people how much media fucks up women's lives, or I can try to go out and make some media that doesn't fuck up women's lives as much. Mm -hmm. And I went for the or. Thank you. I, I'm not yeah. sure I'd be making any more money as a professor, though. I have to tell you. Yeah, probably <laughs> Financially. Not. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Academia is not, equally fucked. Yeah, it's not where you go if you want to make a lot of money. Mom and Dad, what are your hopes and dreams for Bust in the future? Well, we do want to keep a roof over your kids' head. Yeah. Um, I thought you said a roofie over our head. We want to keep a roofie <laughs> in your glass at all times. So we can continue to coerce you to work for us <laughs> against your will. We we really need to get some investors up in here so that we can grow. I really want to grow bust. I want to have be able to hire more people so that we're not so overworked. There's so many cool things that we could be doing if we just had a little bit of money to put into it. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, 
that's the focus for yeah. me yeah. for the next couple of years. You I hear think. that big pockets. <laughs> jingle jangle I our mean, way. feminism is cool now. Yeah, why wouldn't she you want to jingle jangle? Possible. That's a drug. Now. Oh, it is? Jingle jangle's a drug on Riverdale. <laughs> on Riverdale. Oh, <laughs> I, don't watch that show. <laughs> I mean, feminism is so cool now. You know, it really blows my mind that, um, like, the percentage of millennials who are willing to call themselves feminists is like three times the percentage of Gen X women who are Gen X women. You're stupid. What's wrong with me? <laughs> um, I'm ashamed of my generation. Uh, but so, you know. Maybe it's our time. Is there a song about that? It could be. It's yeah, our it's, time. it's our time. <laughs> me and you, pal. Me and you. <laughs> I think it's like from like company or something. Something like that. I was just going to sing, we're going to make it our yeah. way. Yes, our, our way. way. But with your my... money. Beret. <laughs> <laughs> with your money. Beret. <laughs> There is a series of questions that we traditionally ask bust interns on their last day of interning with us. And I thought it would be fun to ask you guys because we never ask you because you never leave. (laughs) So the intern exit interview is now going to be turned towards you guys. Okay. The first question that we ask interns is what was the first issue of bust that you read? (laughs) I can't ask you guys that, but I would like to know which one is your favorite. If there's one that sticks out to you. I have a couple of favorites, but I would say that the one that I really was so proud of was the first one that we made after we got the company back. That's my favorite, too. <laughs> and like it's my girl. favorite, not just because mm-hmm. there was so much that went in it, but that was the issue that came out after September 11th. And we were able to do in that issue something that's so important to me, which is like not go along with the general idea that everybody has about what women's responses to things should be. So... Uh, the cover, the major cover line was "Fight Like a Girl," which we were doing, like, because we were fighting for our business back. But also, you know, after September 11th, people were like, "Uh, if the world was run by women, there would be no terrorism, and like, women would never want to go to war." With whatever, it was just such nonsense. So one of the stories that we had was about how, um, in the certain area of Sri Lanka. People believe that there's lots of female terrorists, and people think that women make the best terrorists because they're more fierce and fearless. So, like, knock that one out of the water. And then there was another one where, like, some girl actually joined the army, felt compelled to join the army after September 11th. Like, just a bunch of things that didn't go along with the dominant reasoning. And I I love when we're able to do that. It doesn't always have to go opposite the dominant reasoning, just, like, different I don't know. I mean, I love every single issue equally, like my children. Aww. Like, it's very hard for me to, like, there's not, there's no, there isn't one that I don't like. I so many babies. We've mm-hmm. had over 100, 100 babies. babies. 100 We're working on something. our 113th baby oh right God. now. But I I think, like, cover-wise, like, visually, just because that's my milieu. Milieu? How do you say that word? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the Nadia one. Nadia from Pussy Riot. Yeah, that was such a good cover, and I like it, it's a favorite of mine. And the one number four, where I was pregnant with Olive, with that cover was good though. I love mm-hmm. that cover. The sex yeah. issue, mm-hmm. just because it's like, hey, yeah, <laughs> that's me. Um, that's no, I love them. It, it was a baby within a belly. We used to do sex issues every year or mm-hmm. every couple of years, and like. You know, when anybody does a sex thing, the go-to image is some sexy lady. Museum of Sex, sexy lady. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know whatever Time magazine likes sex, sexy lady. The image is always sexy lady. But, you know, when I think of sex, I'm straight, uh, het, cis, gender, lady. 
um, the image of a sexy lady is not the first thing I think of. So it was like, well, what can we put on a sex issue that's not that, that's different? And so one thing we're like, well, sex also results in babies, can be the way that you bring babies into the world. So so we had a very sexy baby on the cover. Lori <laughs> <laughs> in a bikini with a giant with, belly. It was just a picture of a belly. We, yeah. We don't have and Lori, Oh, but Lori, remember what happened after that issue came out? She gave birth? No. I gave birth. <laughs> that <laughs> happened. But we were contacted by all these freaks that were like, do you have more pregnancy oh, pictures? Yeah. Like these <gasps> weird... Well, uh, pregnancy no, fetishes. Don't, yes. don't yuck their yum. They just it was a <laughs> fetish. That's like what Chrissy some Teigen people? just tweeted a picture of her breastfeeding, and then someone was like, "Oh, send some to the, to the pumping right. mamas." And then she was like, "All these creeps keep trying to take pictures of me from the bushes when I pump." Right. Who would you most like to see on the cover? I, I feel like I've gotten all my heavy hitters. Oh, Debbie, I know what your answer is. Oh, Madonna. Oh, loves Madonna. Of course. We've gotten close. Yeah, I feel like. I still like her. Once we crack the code of how to get her on the cover without a $200,000 photo shoot, <laughs> yeah. then we'll get Entourage. her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's not talking to her that's the problem. It's the photos. It's the glam squad. Yeah, it's the mm-hmm. glam squad. Mm-hmm. Say what you want about Madonna, and people want to say lots of bad things about her, and I get it, but she has stayed true to the whole feminism thing true. from the beginning. Mm-hmm. She was one of the first people out in pop culture who totally embraced feminism and called herself a feminist. Camille Paglia, the famous feminist writer, said that I set women back by objectifying myself sexually. Oh, I thought, so if you're a feminist, you don't have sexuality. You deny it. So I said, it. I'm a different kind of feminist. I'm a bad feminist. That was interesting. People mm-hmm. didn't get her at all. Never mind. That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. <laughs> when we, we get Madonna, that. we'll talk about yeah. it on the podcast. Uh, what is your favorite and least favorite parts of working at Bust? My favorite part is the creativity that we get to have and, you know, you guys, like us all hanging out. We, we have a lot of laughs. My least favorite part is that we don't make enough money. Mm. <laughs> And it's a bummer. Yeah, my favorite part is also the environment that we have at the office. It's really fun. I like it a lot. Um, I feel like we get each other, and that is fantastic. It's hard to find a gang of people like that. Um, My least favorite part is is writing the editor's letter. That's when I want (laughs) to stab myself in the head. I can tell you the really sad, the most ridiculous story I have to say about that is when we were in an office that was at Lori's house. So this was quite a while ago. And I had to write the editor's letter. And I, I had no ideas. I had no ideas. And, like, this is at the time when the issue's done. Everybody's, like, dancing on the on their tables. <laughs> and I'm still, like, Cinderella. Like, I can't go to the ball because I haven't written my goddamn editor's letter. Sit there worrying about it. And I was like, I'm going to take a walk around the block. Maybe I'll get some ideas. And I came downstairs, and there was, like, a drunk guy sort of passed out in front of the door with like an empty bottle of wine and I actually had this thought go through me like you're so lucky because you get to hang out like that and you don't have to write an editor's letter (laughs) (laughs) for a moment for a moment I was jealous of that person oh my god it was hysterical I was like well you know you don't have to do this (laughs) I told you it's a it's a ridiculous story that is what I went through my head I surprised myself even like what what have you learned 
over the last 25 years. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it doesn't have to be everything. Just something. Hmm. What'd you learn? I mean, I learned how to make a magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's valid. Kind of got that down now. Yeah. It's and it's. Oh, yeah. It's and it's where you put the apostrophe and when you just leave I it I learned out. that. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't like words. Grammar is like fashion. It's just like a secret code that people feel really good that they know about and they can make fun of other people for not knowing about, but it has no real We're having an reason. apostrophe moment. It's an yeah. apostrophe. <laughs> yeah, we're having a trench coat moment. M dashes are very hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, ellipsis is just so last season. Right. Uh, but wait, what was the question again? What have you learned? Oh, yeah, right. Um, well, one of the things I learned that was really surprising to me is how difficult it is to convey to really convey certain ideas to other people. Because I feel like for so long, people didn't get bust. People still sometimes don't understand what our project is. And I feel like it's so obvious what we're doing. But they're like, well, it's not really a feminist magazine because it's too much about knitting. Or like, <laughs> you know, or or just, um, that's what I learned, that that is, that that is, that it's much more difficult for people to understand what you're trying to do than you would think. And at some point, inevitably, someone's going to make a biopic, the movie of Bust. When they do, <laughs> it's definitely going to happen. Who's going to play you? I don't know. Am I, it's a toss-up between Phyllis Diller mm-hmm. or Kate Blanchett. Probably mm-hmm. a person that would have both of their qualities. Right. Probably more Kate Blanchett since Phyllis is dead. Oh, and we should oh, say true. it can't be people dead or alive. Mm-hmm. In, I thought we in, said in they the could be dead. Movie. Yeah. When yeah. We let but I feel pick. like in, for this purpose, it's gonna uh. it's gonna be a real movie. I'm talking about it like a real ass movie. Well, then it should be um, Scarlett Johansson playing them both. <laughs> <laughs> Just Scarlett Obviously. Johansson playing the entire. She's playing everybody. Staff. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could good see Kate Blanchett film. playing you. Why not? Her. She just needs big glasses. Mm-hmm. Debbie, who's playing you? Well, for look, I mean, if they're trying to cast, like, based on looks, I guess, like, Sarah Michelle Gellar or something like that would probably do it because she's got, like, the dewy nose, mm-hmm. but, like, the whatever, the blondy hair. But um, I really think that to, for, like, my essence, it would have to be Larry David. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> pretty. 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 Yeah. <laughs> and... Finally, what is something our listeners would be surprised to learn about you? I think people would be surprised to know that I had a career as a psychobiologist at one point, that I actually have a master's degree in that, and that I used to do research with rats and some pretty terrible research with rats and leeches. And one of the things involved removing rats' pituitaries through their ears. Whoa. Whoa. And then doing experiments with them. So That's I intense. Yeah. I'm, I'm stumped. I can't think of anything. Except for the fact that I used to be a Rangers fan, hockey. Really? Yeah, when I was in like hockey. eighth grade. Would have never saw that. No, because I hate sports. <laughs> Ron Duguay. It was all because of this one player who was super hot. And we would just like go there and like, you know, the cute players are the gateway, you know, into sports. For, right. For someone like me who doesn't care about <laughs> sports. Well, thank you guys for creating Bust Magazine and maintaining Bust Magazine and all these me. years You're and welcome. hiring us. Thank you guys for being <laughs> such great yes. kids. <laughs> we can't imagine our lives without you. Aww. It's true. We can't. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> when we come back, we're all going to ask each other 
What you watching? Before we get back to the show, I want to tell you about our new sponsor, Wolfie Vibes Publicity. If you're working on a new project and find yourself in need of a kick-ass publicist who communicates well and works tirelessly to get you the coverage you're after, consider going to Wolfie Vibes Publicity. Wolfie Vibes Publicity is a female-owned and operated boutique PR firm that will get you where you need to be, and you'll even have fun in the process. Get in touch via wolfievibespublicity.com for details and quotes, and tell them that Pop-Tart sent you. And we're back. We are going to, as tradition dictates, ask our guests first, and then Callie and I will also reveal what it is that we have been watching. And when I say what what you're watching, I mean books, TV, movies, podcasts, the writing on the bathroom wall, any culture that you have been consuming, we want to know about it because it is probably cool. Lori, you go first. What you watching? Okay. I'm barely watching anything right now because I was just on vacation with no TV. But um, I am reading David Sedaris's new book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget the title, but it's very funny. Um, it's a lot of him talking about his family. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, as all his books are. Um, listening to some podcasts. I listen to a lot of these woo-woo podcasts. Um, one's called Dream freedom beauty mm-hmm. it's really great <laughs> and uh they talk about a lot of astrology and tarot and self-care it's really soothing mm-hmm. and this other one is uh, tarot for the wild soul i listen to that Lindsay mack she's an amazing tarot person so i'm getting into the tarot pretty deep and the podcasts and the podcasts yeah and i've been going to see rock shows last night i went and saw this Really great singer, uh, Shilpa Ray. Morning towers on my nights of dread. Morning towers, nights of dread. I saw my soul staple to my bed. She saw my soul staple to my bed. An incredible voice, but she also screams a lot. It's pretty it's punk rock. Is she related to Fever Ray? No. And Sugar Ray? <laughs> no, she's not. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Last week I saw my new favorite Brooklyn band, Bodega. No one is as salty as the seven seas except me. And Jack in Titanic. No one is as handsome or... So good. Three girls, two dudes. They're very sort of... They sound like parquet cores meets Gang of Four. And um, they're really rocking and fun. I love that show. Cool. Mm-hmm. Debbie, what you watching? You know, I haven't been watching much of anything um, because I was also on vacation and I've been listening to nothing, just like watching the sunset and listening to the ocean. But, um, but I realized that, like in general, I have been watching a lot of news, MSNBC, every single news comedy show, like. John Oliver and uh, Trevor Noah, The Daily Show, and Bill Maher and Samantha Bee. Like, I cling to these things. Like, I feel like they are the only self that can sort of wipe away some of the, the sheer terror that we experience so often. Like, just like, okay, these people get it. They're actually making something funny out of it. Sometimes I worry that, like, 
you know, I'm, I'm entertaining that we're entertaining ourselves to death. Sometimes I get mad. Like making fun of it sort of removes our anxiety and anger. Maybe we shouldn't be having it removed because maybe it just makes us complacent. But I, I do cling to it like a, a life raft in a storm. And so I am watching all of those shows all of the time. Mm-hmm. I love John Oliver. Yeah, I watch mm-hmm. all those shows. Too. Calls him the British guy. <laughs> Put on the British guy, baby. Are you watching anything else? Um, so there is something that I watched a couple of weeks ago when I was having like a terrible day, and it's something that I used to watch that I had watched a lot, but hadn't really watched in a long time. And then I heard that it was on available on Amazon Prime free, which was desperately seeking Susan. Yeah. God, I, now I want to watch it like every week. Love saves the, the day. Do you still have that jacket? I still do have that jacket, and I've never worn it. You anywhere. have that jacket? Well, I bought it off of eBay. It was like a, a copy of it. Or? Yeah, it was a copy of it. It was some like whatever promotional item mm-hmm. that came out with the movie. I'm old enough that I saw that movie when it came out. I saw it in the movie theater. Me too. And it really has held up pretty well. Like the the there's the vintage clothing and all that stuff is still like totally in now. And just the I'm still blow drying my armpits under yeah, the dryer. Right. That was so brilliant. Oh my god! I remember when Port of, that Port Authority was so yeah. creepy. Um, and it's nice to see the old East Village and remember how things were. And then I was started reading like reviews, like what? How did people review this movie when it came out? And like most of the reviews were by dudes, and they just didn't get it at all. Like they just did not get it. And I thought of that Rocky Horror thing that I always think was like, well, it, they, we didn't make it for you. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's the story of like, you know, the basic st- movie story is like boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl. And so here you have a story of like girl meets girl, girl loses girl, girl gets girl. But it's also just about wanting to embody somebody else's life. Like, like this is what people are doing when they're watching Instagram, right? They're yes. like looking at these, oh, this person has this perfect life. What if I could wake up tomorrow and all of a sudden be that person? It's basically mm-hmm. the narrative of uh, desperately seeking Susan. And I think, I don't think this is an experience that men have. And it's one of the reasons why I think that movie was so awesome and so much fun to watch because it's rare that you see these these things that come out of your like female existence that are so common to you that just are never presented in in the media and there it was it's like bust it's it tells the truth about women's lives <laughs> in a way that's actually funny and real that yeah. we recognize but other people just don't oh, oh my god it was so good and like i when that movie first came out i started like always trying to eat chinese food on roofs of places <laughs> i'd never eaten chinese food out of a box and i was like oh my god that's so cool um it's it's just fucking such a great movie, and now I want to watch it every day, every hour of every day, forever. I'm going to go watch it. I didn't know it was on Amazon. <sighs> eat Chinese food out of a you got to get into the groove. I got to dry my armpits at the blower. <laughs> we have one of those blowers at our office. I'm not mm-hmm. lying when I said I've dried my armpits in that blower. I'm not even lying. Kelly, what you watching? Well, I went to a bunch of shows. Uh-huh. So I went to the Gothamist party. Um, it was a benefit, and Talib Kweli was DJing, and that was amazing. And um, Grizzly Bear played, which I didn't know anything about, but everybody was very excited about that. Apparently, I had heard them before, but I had no idea. But really, I was there for Ebony Bones. Mm. I love Ebony Bones, but I was very sad she didn't play Don't Fart on My yeah, Heart. Yeah, Don't Fart on My Heart, Ebony Bones. <laughs> And then I saw her later, and I was like, oh, I love you so much. 
why didn't you play Don't Fart on My Heart? And she's like, it's so sweet that you remember that song. <laughs> Did you tell her that her not playing that song was her, in fact, farting on your heart? Mm-hmm. I should have, but then she was running off, and she looked amazing. She had, like, a tutu for a necklace. It was awesome. Hmm. Then I saw Insane Clown Posse. Everybody, gather around. All in together now. ICP, spray the Fago. Yes, I got covered in Fago. I was soaking wet when I left there. Uh, it was they played it a preview for the movie Family, which was at Rooftop Films Presents, and uh, Tyler Schilling was there. She got booed. Why? Because Why? she said she was scared to go to the gathering. She said maybe she'll go when the film screens at the next gathering. But oh, she was, gathering of the Juggalos? Yeah, she was scared to go the first time. But now that she knows that they're all really nice and caring, maybe she'll go. And my friend was there from London, and he met me at the show. And he was like, I was taking him to the seats for the movie, and he was like, let's follow that girl in the makeup. And I was like, they're all going to be wearing makeup, dude. And he's like, what is this? And I was like, it's the it's insane clown posse, the Juggalos. And he was like, this is some real American shit, huh? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I guess so. Uh, and they put on the best show. I had no idea I actually liked their music. I thought it, I thought I just didn't like them. I thought it was like going to be like uh, really new metal. It was not. Would what you is, go to a would, gathering? I would How totally would you go to a gathering. It was like chanty rap with a bunch of happy people moshing oh. and really happy people flicking everybody off. You're like, fuck the world, fuck the world, <laughs> and all smiles. Oh, yeah, it was the nicest people I'd ever seen in a mosh pit. Um, then I watched Sharp Objects. Yeah, I'm watching Sharp Objects also. Um, I didn't realize how much I was supposed to pay attention to all these little words that are there until I read this Vulture article that was like all the hidden words and Sharp Objects. So now I gotta rewatch it and pay attention. You know what I'm obsessed with in Sharp Objects so far? That green Asian inspired wallpaper in <laughs> in the mansion. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like also in like the poster of the show. Like I want that wallpaper so badly. I'm like distracted from the plot because I'm so into how. And you're probably missing all the weird words we're supposed to be paying attention to too. Apparently, it's green and it's got like branches and Mm. blossoms and stuff on it. Um, I'm also ended up number one. I didn't know we had Hulu, and I accidentally like did something wrong with the TV, and then I was on Hulu, and I was like, oh, good on you. Look what's here, and. And then we were scared to turn the show off because I was like, I don't know what this is or how I got here. But it was a show called Number Nine, and it's through the BBC. And it's sort of like Room 104, Mm. but it's really funny. And also there's a lot of death. So I'm loving all of that. Uh, And then I finally finished watching Pretty Little Liars, which, you know, has been my journey. Yeah. And now I'm watching Riverdale, and that's basically the same show. <laughs> I guess that means I have to watch Pretty Little Liars then, because I love yeah, Riverdale. Yeah, dude, you're going to get hooked. So both of them have like a, a, guy, a, a character that's in a black hood that is calling them on the phone and puppet mastering them into doing fucked up shit to their friends and other people in the town. Both of them are always burying people alive or dead. Both have secret twins. Mm. I'm just waiting for Riverdale to throw out a person that's blind that loses their sight that the sight comes back and then they're blind again Mm-mm-mm. and then it's the same show and that's been what I'm watching can I tell you guys what I've been watching please yes. alright I will twist my arm <laughs> season 2 of Handmaid's Tale just wrapped up 
and this episode, this whole season is fire. It's so satisfying. I love that show so much, and it's a really safe space for me to feel my rage. I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, it's so heavy. I can't." Whatever, but I love it in these troubled times. Hmm. I feel seen. I feel heard. I can feel my rage in a safe space when I watch it. And I was surprised by the ending. It was one of those endings where I'm like, oh, I can't believe I have to wait to find out what happens. I gotta get, I gotta get the ovaries up to watch that again. It's too. It's too not tough. terrible to watch. It's great to watch. Just the hardest part is just pressing play. Yeah. Um, today, this very day that we're taping this episode, Childish Gambino released not one but two Ooh. summer jams. Really? Yes. He released a song called "Summertime Magic." And a song called Feels Like Summer. You can feel it in the streets On a day like this day It feels like summer I feel like summer She's coming for Beyonce with her Let's Make Love in the Summertime first song of the summer. Oh, speaking of today, oh. what? Happy Cardi B Baby Day. Right. Yay, Culture with a K. I love Yay. it. Culture with a K, Cephas. Good for you, girl. <laughs> but as I was saying, Childish Gambino has not one but two summertime anthems out for you to listen to at your next barbecue. And I like them both, but I like Summertime Magic the best because, <laughs> and those of you who know me know that this is true, I am obsessed with soda. And it has this sample of like bubbly soda being poured into a glass. Like summertime. You took this heart of mine. <laughs> and I literally started drooling while I was listening to it and ran out and bought soda and a cup of ice. I splurged for the 50 cents for a cup of ice so I could make the fizzy sound for myself at my desk. I don't even like soda that much, but if I hear that. Can pop. It's not the can pop. Do you think it's sponsored by uh, some soda company? Because, like, one of the things I noticed in Desperately Seeking Susan is they smoke a lot of cigarettes. And Camel is even, like, like you see the package. And apparently... Product placement. It was sponsored by Camel Cigarettes. But then they they pulled the... thing because there was something in the movie they didn't like mm. but you think you know maybe he's got a deal with pepsi with or something? somebody but they didn't say yeah. there's no lyric that i could perceivably hear that's sound. like in the summer drinking pepsi it's not like that <laughs> but it did make me literally salivate for soda listening mm. to the sample of the soda being poured into the glass um i've mentioned on this podcast many times that when nashville killed off connie Britton, they should have just ended the show there's no point however they have finally hit their post-Britain stride once that is again. still on? It's still on after flailing around, not knowing what the hell to did do. Did she come back as post- a ghost? Connie Britton did not come oh. back as a ghost. There's no flashbacks. They just finally figured out how to write that show. And it's by sensationalism. Mm. So, like, they have a very, um, like, thinly veiled... Scientology cult that one of the stars falls prey to and then they have somebody who's totally going to end up being like the Harvey Weinstein of country music mm-hmm. so it's sort of like they're going for like the law and order rip from today's headlines ah. uh, style of bam, 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 bam. writing yeah chung chung um, and that's how they're getting out of their post Britain rut and I appreciate it um, I would like to say that Queen Sugar popped up on Hulu after 
season three premiered on oh the oprah network and queen sugar is the best soap opera on tv if you're now not I watching can start it, watching it now that i found out i have hulu Right, there's two seasons, two full seasons on Hulu. What you do, <laughs> You will cry. You will feel feels. It's so well done. And every episode is directed by a woman, and Ava DuVernay created it for O, and it's just a lot of magic. And RuPaul's Drag Race Season 10 came to its conclusion since the last time that we recorded. I need to catch up. This was going to be... My season for a big girl to win. I'm not going to tell you who won because you didn't fit, you're not caught up, but my favorite contestant who was large and in charge did not win, and I thought that she should have. And I'm, I'm like feeling like if she can't get the crown, who can? That it's sort of like the Hillary Clinton feeling. Oh no. <laughs> but with plus size drag. <laughs> I really, I, I was. Another, I was so sure that this was going to be my year. Yeah. And that, my friends, is what I've been watching. I would like to thank our producer, Rachel Withers, the greatest producer, the... <laughs> and our pals, Lally and Alec and Matt at 300 Entertainment, which is the place where we're now recording this podcast. It's why we sound so great right now. And, <laughs> of course, our girl gang at Bust Magazine, most of whom are here. Thank you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Emily Rems. And you can email both of us. I'm Emily Rems at bust.com. I'm Callie W at bust.com. You can find out more about our ginormous 25th anniversary party at bust.com slash party. And you can learn more about this show at bust.com slash pop tarts. And finally, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It really helps us get the word out, and we super duper appreciate it. Until next time. Mwah. Mwah.